Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Pete, your number one podcast for Brooklyn Nets news, opinions, and so much more. We have an extremely special guest joining us today, entering his 22nd season of Nets basketball. We welcome to the show NBA analyst and Nets radio's own Tim Capistraw. You know him as the capper. Thank you for coming on. Ah, thrilled to be here, guys. I really, really appreciate it. And of course, before we get started, congratulations is in order. The Nets and WFAN announced a multi-year extension this week that will keep you and Chris Carino together calling Nets games for a pretty long time. How pumped are you about that news? Well, I was thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled every time I'm allowed to go to an NBA game and broadcast it. Guys, you know, I'm I don't, I'm not that there. I'm like you guys. Would you be pumped up to be go to, going to games and talking about it? Am I the luckiest guy you ever met? Come on. Yeah, I'm so thrilled. And, you know, working next to Chris Carino is the biggest treat you could ever imagine. That guy is so talented. You can say anything and he'll make it look good for you. He's so smooth. And we have just become... Uh, the best of friends, but not only that, I, I could not admire anybody more. And working for the Brooklyn Nets has been the greatest thrill of my. It's been just amazing. I I can't tell you how how much gratitude I have. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm wearing the St. Francis. I don't know if you can see this. I'm wearing the St. Francis hoodie. I went to St. Francis, Brooklyn. Unfortunately, the program got cut this year, but I'm very familiar with your Northeast Conference work. You wound up going to Wagner first as a Football player, you didn't play football, you played baseball, and there was a walk-on to play basketball. How about then that? You How about you knew I played I went there to play football, huh? How about that? What happened? Oh, I had a bad I had a knee. I was maybe a uh, gonna be a, a different recruit, maybe a higher level recruit, but I had a had my knee operated on and um I maybe wasn't going to play football anymore, but then a gentleman, or the athletic director and a football coach named Walt Hamline uh, convinced me to give it a try. I gave it a try. Uh, I did not, I didn't love football either. So it was kind of, it was okay. And then I saw the guys playing baseball that year. I said, I don't know how well I can move, but I think I can still pitch. I went out and pitched and I was pitching against, uh, Frank Del George, St. Francis teams, and 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 all those guys down in LIU, and everybody like that, and and all over the Northeast Conference. So I did that, and then my sophomore year, I was a walk-on in basketball. So I did cover, I did cover three sports, and I can say that I think I had my picture taken with my football uniform on. So I can tell you, I'm a three-sport athlete. But if you dive deep into it you realize uh, nothing was great in either any of them. That's for sure. What, what was the sport that brought you the most joy playing? Oh, basketball, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, but I, I wasn't – I didn't play. You know, I didn't play much. But I, I loved basketball. P.J. Carlissimo was the coach at Wagner at the time. Could not have, have admired anybody ever anymore, although he struck fear in me every time he came into the gym. I, I'd start shaking, you know. But he was uh, somebody I wanted to be like, and I think that's probably why 
I ended up being into coaching. He, along with the other coaches at Wagner, Waldhammer, and other people, just people I really admired. And uh, that's why I wanted to get into coaching. So if this story couldn't get any wackier, you wind up graduating. You wind up becoming the manager of the baseball team after a year after you graduate, I think. And then you, through a certain, I guess you could say your work ethic and a random set of events, you wind up getting to be the head coach at Wagner, the basketball team. Yeah, you know what happened? I went up to Siena in between that, and we had great teams at Siena. And, um, you know, I, I got, you know, when I was at Wagner, I was a hardworking athlete and a, and a good student. So I was able to get the job at a young age. I don't think I could have applied for any other job in the country, but we were very good at Siena. We had just beaten uh, Stanford in the NCAA tournament. And that was when teams didn't knock off teams in the tournament that often. That was 1989 and uh, a little before your, your time. And, um, you know, it, it, it just kind of all fell into place. And, I, you know, I was there 10 years. I, I did a good job building it up. Probably should have moved on, but I didn't. I stayed stuck at the party a little too long, if you know what I mean. And um, they got rid of me. And uh, a lot of people resigned. I got fired. You know what I mean? I just want people to know, uh, you know, I got fired. But I, I was treated great. I love Wagner College. And I love everything that it did for me. I wish I had. Wish I had done a better job for a longer period of time, but that's the nature of coaching. And again, I'd never be here if it wasn't, if I would never have gotten into broadcasting. So again, uh, everything has is, is worked out great. Yeah. Your second year at Wagner, you wound up going four and 26, but then you win coach of the year right after that. Year four, you literally just missed making the NCAA tournament by literally, I, I think it was like by four seconds and one point. Just a crazy set of events, and then you wind up getting the broadcast. Why not do more coaching? Well, no, well, I stayed a number of years after that, though. You know, I mean, that was that was some of the highlights right there. I, I turned a program around. I really did. And I had uh, a few Yugoslavian players that really helped. I had a great player named Bobby Hobson. Uh, you know, I stuck around, and again, I stayed at the party too long. I got. I don't think I worked as hard as I did my first five years, and you know. The harder you work, the luckier you get. And I learned some valuable lessons in that, you know, and it's a, a lot of it's recruiting. You know, you got you're the GM and the coach when you're in college. So, uh, you know, it all it all worked out, though. Fortunately, it all worked out. All right. Well, this is a Brooklyn Nets podcast and a New Jersey Nets podcast, so we can get into some early Nets years stuff and and i want to start with that first year you started calling games for the new jersey nets they make the nba finals <laughs> and that would start what would become a, a 20 plus year run calling games with chris carino what was the vibe around that nets team when, when when you first get there and all of a sudden they just start winning did you think that you were the good luck charm no well the year before remember the year before is when jason kidd came or maybe it was two years before but the year before they had gone to the finals against the lakers and were swept so they had a they had a little history of winning. So it wasn't shocking that they were playing uh, good basketball then, you know. And, and uh, the, it was great. I mean, I was just trying to learn the job and just trying to stay out of Chris Carino's way and just kind of learn and just watch and get better. The one thing with the NBA in broadcasting is you get a lot of practice. You know what I mean? Like you're doing three, four games a week, so you you can get better. And I was able to finally learn a little bit better, better, better. But the vibe was amazing. 
The vibe was amazing with that net team. I, I, I couldn't believe what a treat it was to watch NBA players up close all the time. And I couldn't believe it. And, and then I would get there at about four o'clock in the afternoon for a seven 30 game. I, I just could walk around. I couldn't, and I would prepare weeks in advance for, you know, my, my first game, just like you would expect, you know, that's the thrill it was. And the real thrill for me was watching the players and especially Jason Kidd. I, I, I thought watching him, his compete level, when he'd get that look in his eye, when he'd make all his teammates better. I, and then he turned it up defensively and the fast breaks were going and Kenyon Martin or Richard Jefferson or Kerry Kittles, all these guys. And then they had really good depth. They had really good uh, teams. It was a joy, an absolute joy to watch. I wish it, wish it lasted longer, but they had a very good run. They had a very good run in, in New Jersey uh, for that period of time. I was fortunate to hop on that first year. They, they played the San Antonio Spurs in the finals, that one. And that was game six where they're up pretty big in the second half. They didn't, they, and they ended up not winning the game that the Spurs came back. They won it in six. And uh, even the next year, they could have the Detroit Pistons. If uh kid isn't injured, maybe, you know, they end up winning it, I think. And uh, maybe that could, that could have been the Nets. So that's what you want to do in the NBA. You want to put yourself in position to have a chance. And the Nets had a chance, maybe not against the Lakers in year one, but, and at 2000, I think two, three year and three, they had a chance. And Jason Kidd was obviously the catalyst. Rod Thorne did an amazing job. Byron Scott was a coach. Lawrence Franks was a coach during the time. It was, it was a, it was a good run. It, 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 you know, and yet I've seen some, then I saw some lean years too, but uh, it was a lot of fun in those early net years. But Jason, we don't have, we don't have to get into those lean years. Yeah, you don't have to get there. Thank you. Let's move right along. Thank you. <laughs> What I do have to kind of dive into a little bit, I was a big Vince Carter fan growing up. Yeah. So how was it just the change in the franchise? They lose Kenyon Martin. It looks like maybe this team may not be competing. Jason Kidd supposedly putting for a trade request to go to the Mavericks all the way back then. And then we wound up getting Vince Carter. What was the transformation in the franchise that he brought? And how fun was it getting like a front seat to that? Yeah, that's a great point because it, it, uh, it was it was a, a great treat. And I think the Nets knew that they had to do something dramatic, right? And they, and they were able to, and they, they found a situation of a, of a player that was a good person, but he was in an awkward situation. And, and you know, and with, uh, up in Toronto with Vince Carter. Listen, just watching him perform, the game was very easy to him. He was like a natural natural artist you know it was beautiful to watch the way he could and the way he could elevate and fly and the dunks that he would do on people and, and the game became so easy to him it, it was a it was a pleasure it was a pleasure and the other thing about Vince Carter he was a very and I, and I don't really get to know the players that well but I do watch him interact with people he's a he was a great star you know as far as dealing with people you know what I mean? Like he was, all the guys the Nets have had are always cordial and they're nice and they're polite. But all, and then you have certain guys that are above and beyond. And you just don't expect it with a guy of Vince Carter's status. And he was a, he still is just a beautiful guy. And um, maybe that, maybe that took something away from his ability in some way to be a super, super, superstar. But uh, he was beautiful to watch. Again, they sustained some. They gave again. They gave themselves a chance 
with another different version of the Nets, New Jersey Nets team at that time. And uh, lasted for a while. And then, you know, everybody, you know, things changed with people. Jason Kidd got a little disgruntled, all that. You have to make moves and uh, things turn over. That's just the nature of the NBA or anywhere or college or wherever. It, things turn over and they change. You've got to be able to try to adjust, but sometimes you gotta, gotta, you got to go down a little bit before you come back up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to skip those lean years, and I want to kind of just transition into Brooklyn. But if you could sum up New Jersey, the New Jersey Nets, what's one moment that you think would just summarize your years watching them? Well, I, I think um, – I'm going to go more recent, uh, a more recent, uh, when, when the Nets won game seven in Toronto, when uh, Paul Pierce blocked Kyle Lowry's shot when he went down the lane, only because it was, I think, my, my best broadcasting moment of my, of my career. And I, because I, I, and I didn't say anything. What happened was, it was a huge call, and you know, and play-by-play guys, they want to make the big call. And so Lowry's going down the paint, and he's going to go there for, for possibly for the winning basket, right? I think the Nets are up one. And Pierce blocks a shot, but we're on the floor, and oftentimes you can get blocked out, right? The play-by-play guy can be blocked out. So Chris Carino is making the call, and he, you know, and and he's he keeps saying the word rejected rejected so i know he knows right now he didn't know who's who did it so i didn't say anything but i wrote pierce and then he saw that and said paul pierce and it was a really good moment um for me and i never talked because i i it was great teamwork we worked together it was an enormous call and um it you know we still talk about it today and uh uh, you know, anytime uh, you know you can help out Chris Carino, you do it. You know, because he, he's he's pretty awesome. So that he just said he would have made the, it would have been easy, but he, it was clear that he couldn't see what that you know that he was blocked out of the play. So that's the one that sticks out for me because selfishly, it was a broadcasting moment too. The other parts are, are great moments, great plays, great this. But I was actually involved in that, and I felt good about it after. That's amazing. That's such a cool story because. You know, when you, when you speak with someone who does play-by-play or com- color commentary and you talk about epic moments they've had in the booth, rarely is it a moment in which they didn't speak. And well, the fact that w- it's just incredible that you you pretty much – you gave the assist to Carino. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, I'm trying it. to, like, brag about – like, here I am bragging about <laughs> – you know, so that I'm not the, the most humble – you know, but, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, well, think about it. Yeah. I think there was a situation this summer, right, when – um, you know, the Nets have such brilliant broadcasters, right? We all know Ian, Sarah, Richard, every Ryan Rucco, right? Ryan Rucco is doing the Yankee game, right? Um, who threw the no hitter? Do you remember the no hitter? And it was a perfect game, right? And I, I forget how he cleared it up, but he said, you know, you know, perfection. And you know what he did after that? Nothing. He, he just was quiet. For 10 to 12 seconds. So one of the most important parts of being a good broadcaster is knowing when to lay out. That's called, you know, being quiet. 
And the other thing is, I've learned over the years too, on being an analyst, you don't always, you don't have, nobody ever complains that the analyst doesn't talk enough. That You know what I mean? Like they complain if the guy's, you know, driving them nuts because he won't shut up, you know? So you got to be careful. It's okay not to talk sometimes, to let it breathe, especially when you're on TV, you know, that's different. But on radio, like Chris, Chris can do play by play and be, and then chime in. You're there. You do your job, but you kind of learn in, you know, learn that you know less is more sometimes. And silence is really a big part of sometimes an elite moment in broadcasting. Yeah, sometimes you got to let the audience go and 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 let everybody on the radio and on the TV just hear the crowd. I I, I couldn't agree with it's, that. It's more. actually it's- very cool too. When you think about some of the great calls of all time and like, boom, they say it. And then it just kind of hangs there. It's really cool. And the other thing you learn, and I didn't know this when I came in, is that when you're the analyst and there's a big call, you don't talk while the guy's making the call. It's called stepping on the guy, right? So I don't know this, but then I hear the play-by-play guys talking. Oh, I stepped on it. I'm thinking to myself, this is like my year one. I'm like, well, what the, what does that mean? And then I kind of figured it out. And uh, it, it's funny that that that's a part of it. You know, you got to know that, that, you know, they, they use these clips. They put them on, they put them on TV, you know, radio guys, uh, you know, go on TV all the time for highlights and then they're on the radio and they're this and that. So uh, silence is a big part of my job sometimes. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we can we can transition to uh, to this current Nets team. There's a, a lot to be excited about, in my opinion, about this team. Mikael Bridges coming off a sensational second half of the season. Cam Johnson flashed moments of greatness during that playoff series against Philly. Nick Claxton coming off one of his best seasons. A lot of young talent. You mix in Spencer Dinwiddie and a potentially healthy Ben Simmons. How do you see this Nets team matching up in the East this next upcoming season? Oh, I think they're going to be fun. That's for sure. I mean, I think they're going to be you're going to be like enjoyable to watch. I'm, I can't, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I think they're, I think they're going to be uh, defensively. I think they could be outstanding. I think if they if they take the pride in that, defend, and they got to rebound the basketball after it, they got to make sure they go get it. I think defensively, I think they could be a fast team. I think there could be great pace. I think they're likable, and yet I don't know what stage they're at. You, you don't want to get ahead of yourself right now, but I do think they could surprise some. I, I, I do think. I, I, I think there's decent. There's a. Uh, I don't know. I just there's something about guys. There's a good energy about this group. Everything I like. You know, I think energy matters. I, I, I think. I think McCall, You know, Bridges. And Cam Johnson, even hear Steve Kerr talking about it. These guys got a positive energy about them that is not just, well, they might be able to bring other players. No, I think that carries. It's an 82-game season. Are you going to night in and night out, come and play with beautiful energy, get after it? And the other thing is, I feel like there's not there's a lot of guys that think they should be playing and could be playing. So you're thinking, okay, I can't relax. Because these guys, I'm not so good that I'm going to play no matter what. Nobody is. So then you have that going. So I think there's going to be, it's going to be a hard playing, energetic, 
uh, group that I'm sure at times will show a lack of cohesion. They hadn't been together that long. They'd come down the stretch of games. They may have difficulties. But I think it could also be a team that you really enjoy. Some of the really enjoyable teams have been those ones that, oh, boy, they underestimated these guys. They could be – they're dangerous. They're, they're good. They're, they're – they're, they're, they're fun to watch, I, I, you know, and I think if they defend, they really got to rebound the basketball. They got to, they got to really get after it defensively. Cause I think they could uh, really, I think they could really be terrific defensively. And I think they could be a fast team. You know, Ben Simmons is an X factor, but yeah, I don't, you don't even know with him, you know, you don't know. I like that. He sounds confident. I think that's a start. You know, I, 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 I like that. But I, again, everybody, and I'm sure he has to also got to see it. You know, you got to see it. You got to see it and play. But I, I like where the Nets are at, and I also like when the Nets are at this spot because I, I've seen what management knows what to do, and they they get it, and they know how to build a team and put them in position to obtain superstars. We saw that. That's are in better shape now. They were. They certainly were than when Sean Marks took over, right? Oh, absolutely. Even a situation like Kevin Durant, uh, I'm going to leave. Well, what that's it pretty good, didn't they? I mean, they, they, and now you got Kyrie Irving and you got, you're getting picks back. Now it's a little bit different. You don't necessarily have control over your picks. So I th- still think that that might be more fun for the Nets because then you know that they're, they're going to want to be competing all the time and, and it will make sense to go after it. So that's kind of, kind of where i'm at i'm like you guys you know uh, uh you know what it is too something about like pat Riley had this book the winner within and he had a chapter the innocent climb about a team and their innocent climb of young players coming together is is in, sometimes really 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 uh can happen and it can happen and, and it can be a really enjoyable thing to watch and i and i'm, I'm hoping that the nets climb have that innocent climb uh, this season. Yeah, I, I think this is a much different season than, than we've had in a while. This this team, to me, can be similar to those D'Lo, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Levert, Jared Allen yeah. teams. I, I think this team might be a little bit more experienced than that team. You know, Spence has been there before. He had that, that great playoff run with Dallas. Um, Claxton's much more experienced at this point in his career uh, and, and, and you have guys like Mikhail and Cam who were on a winner in Phoenix and they come to Brooklyn and they, you know, that winning energy, that's contagious. That's something that, that yeah. stays with guys. I, I, I don't disagree with that. And then, and then you go down the roster and you're talking about, you know, like, you know, like, uh, you know, I know, uh, you know, Cam Thomas becomes like a lightning rod guy, you know, everybody likes, you know, there's arguments both ways and, you know, but certainly he, ha- he has a role that, is a scoring ability that I'm sure wants to, that everybody wants to utilize. We saw Lonnie Walker in the playoffs last year look look very good, and and be able to do things. So uh, you know, I I, I think um, excuse me here, the um, had a little glitch in my computer here, but I you know you saw Lonnie Walker doing things and and being able to you go up the line and you go, Royce O'Neal. What would even talk about Royce O'Neal? Uh, that's a winning guy, man. That's a winning guy. Uh, oh, I don't know. Dorian Finney-Smith, we haven't talked about him. That's a win. That's a, I just think there's going to be, and I think that's how they got to do it, though. 
They've got to understand who they are. Like if it isn't a max out, incredibly intense focus, like don't give yourself that much credit. Like you guys are so good. You're good enough to go out and play. No, you have to play with such energy and attitude and force defensively and unselfishness on offense. And when you, you have to do that and that will only make you pretty good. So can you do that? You have to understand who you are. You know, it's like, you know, you got to know your, like players got to know their roles. This team has to know their role in the, in the conference. The role in the conference is, well, you're, 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 you're an up and coming team that you're, you're a few years away, you know, and they might build it up. I don't think you want to think that way. If you're a player right now, you want to show that you could be, you know, you could be a, you know, a star and you never know who could emerge, right? You don't know. We didn't know Claxton was going to be Claxton. We didn't know. How about a guy like, here's a great example. Derek Whitehead. Like what, what a great example. Like, I, I mean, he really was the number two best player in the country two years right. ago, right? Right. In high school. He was that good. And he played for a guy named Kevin Boyd. So he's well coached. Mount Verde. I mean, they know who's really good there. And he shoots 43% last year at Duke on a bad ankle. He's not nearly as athletic. So a lot of big time athletes that come in the NBA that are guards do everything. And then they got to get better at shooting. He's already a good shooter. If his, if his foot is good and, and really one of the things the Nets have is the best foot doctor, obviously in, in the world, right? That's where everybody goes to hospital special surgery for Dr. Martin O'Malley. So I, it just because he could be somebody, you know, you don't, you know, you got some could be's, you know, but that, that it's still fun. It's still exciting. And I'm still, and I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. Yeah. You talked about, we don't know who's going to be available. And it does always seem like out of the woodwork, someone's not happy on their team and they want to go to Miami, like a Dane situation. You might see a James Harden situation. Right. We don't know who's going to be available in the next year or even two. Do you think the Nets still kind of have that shine to them with these new guys? Is it still an attractive, you know, I guess still attractive destination? Yeah. Especially considering you have the Knicks and they're doing pretty good over there. Yeah, no, no, I think the Knicks are a good situation, but so are the Nets. Nets are one of the their destination, man. And then you have Bridges, who everybody loves, and Cam Johnson. And but you got to. Again, guys don't just go to teams to go to teams. They, you gotta, why did Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, why, why did they come the last time? Because they saw the job that the Nets were doing and how they built it up and the organization and how they got them off. They went from that to the playoffs. I want to join that. Plus the reputation, I think, around the league is the Nets are totally first class, like whatever they do. Uh, you know, uh, as far as how they treat the players uh, and and the facilities, all that kind of stuff, the the training center, uh, first class. So the players all talk. And so I think that I think, and it's Brooklyn. Come on, you know. I mean, I I do agree that the Knicks have done a very good job, and they are a good destination for a, a big player. But I think the Nets will always be that. You know, I think they're going to if they if they're playing well. Um, it's it's a great place to be. And you can see that even like Bridges and Johnson were not thrilled to come here. Right. And yet they came because they're great. And, and all of a sudden they're like embracing Brooklyn. They're loving it. 
They're like, New York, New York City. Come on, this is. Uh, you know, there are other places. I mean, I'm LA is all Lakers are always going to be that. Uh, but I think Brooklyn, even that it didn't work out with Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant to that extent, I think it did show that it, it is uh, a very good destination for so many players in the NBA. Yeah, and I, I don't think it didn't work out because of the Brooklyn Nets. I think there are, you know, extenuating circumstances that happen with these athletes that we, we could, no one have, could have predicted no the one. Kyrie Irving unvaccinated no. shot situation. Now, you know, that wasn't a Nets problem. That was a societal <laughs> problem, right? Blame society for that one. Um, no one could have predicted Kevin Durant would get hurt and derail the season. And then James Harden would ask out these, these are things that you, you can't look at an organization and say, this is on you. These, these things just happen. No, they just happen. And, and, and you know something, but they, they put themselves in the position to be talked about, to be a real contender. And that's really all you can do. And you, you know, and there's only one team that makes it, but I do, you know, I do think there is something to be, you know, I think you can learn some things though, over the years, you see that, you know, like Denver, I mean, then Denver's draft very incredibly well, you know, I, I, you know, can you identify a guy? Uh, I think that's what the Nets do really well right now. You know, I, we saw it with Jared Allen, with Karis LeVert, uh, I, I think maybe Whitehead is going to be there. Maybe Clowney's going to, I, I, we got to watch these guys. I just believe in it. You know, like I saw it once, if you saw it once and how it evolved, it was a master class in putting a team together. It was something that, you know, you write books about. And then the final part of the movie was, well, then they go win an NBA champion. It's just exactly a lot of, you still got to, you still got to have it together. You got to be lucky. You got to have a lot of things go your way. But to put yourself in that position, that's what teams are trying to do right now. And we, we saw the Nets, even they made the best of a bad situation, a tough situation last year to put us in, this, put the Nets in position to, to be, for us to be talking like this. This is a, this is a turnaround, you know, so, you know, can they, can they, can they be competitive? Can they be there? Can they be there? And then, you know, maybe, and do they look good? And, and, you know, what does that mean as far as wins? I'm not sure, but I, I want to see players that you develop. And listen, I, that's another part of it too. Uh, I think the Nets staff right now is amazing. I, 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 there are some coaches on there that I've seen work with players that, uh, don't be surprised if guys get a whole get guys get a lot better when they're in the league, young player. You know that you can make guys better. Uh and and, and I don't like uh, you know even a guy like uh, there's a guy a gentleman named Jay Hernandez. He's not necessarily a development pro. Kevin Ollie. I, I think I'm drawing a blank on the the main development. I'm sorry, but they have great developmental people there. And, and I don't even think Kevin Ollie and Jay Hernandez. They're assistant coaches, but I'm sure they'll be involved in all that. Uh, Jock Vaughn on the floor. There's another talk. Talk about energy. You know, we talked about uh, some people just have a great energy about them. That's what I think this net team is going to be about. Just uh, positive, go get it energy and and, and leave it all out on the floor and and let's see what happens. Play as hard as you possibly can and play together and and let's see what happens. And I I think think you're going to see an awful lot of that. And I think there's going to be like a lot of this, oh, I like this team kind of attitude going on. 
I'm so happy you just brought all that up because I want to transition to this. Who do you think would be, if you have to pick one guy on the roster, who is your dark horse candidate to maybe have a breakout or maybe past expectations that Nets fans were kind of looking to? Like this guy might surprise Nets fans completely. He winds up being a big part of the team towards the end of the year. What do you think? Whitehead, we already said it. I, I, but I'm not Ooh. sure. But I haven't seen a thing, Ooh. you know. I mean, I don't know. That's that's kind of that that that's the one I'm saying, and that's not fair at all, right? Because we haven't seen him, and he might is injured. That that's. But I also won't be surprised. I think Cam Thomas has learned a lot too. You know what I mean? I think he's learned a lot. I think we're all, you know. I think. And I think there's aren't that many people that have that type of talent to put the ball in the basket. You know, like he can really score. Can he put the other parts of the game together? I guess, you know, he's got to do a better job in different areas. And, you know, he's got to make sure he doesn't, you know, he's got to play the game a little bit. You know, everybody's heart breaks when they're not playing. You got to, you got to, you got to be an actor sometimes, you know, you got to be an actor, put on a good front. I think he might, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, if he got to that point this year too, where he's, 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 he, 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 he understands, he gets it. I think the Nets have done a good job with him, not just letting him play into, you know, they've been tough on him, right? They haven't just, he scored a lot of points, but yeah, hey, listen, you got to earn it. You got to do the other things. Look at that. We're willing to sit you and you scored 40 in three games straight. How about that? Well, you know, and we're not buying it. We have to have everything to, to be successful. So he might, he could be an, always a guy to to watch. Lonnie Walker, you know, Lonnie Walker. Do I know know him well enough? Uh, Basically, do I know him well enough? Not really. Uh, uh, Trenton Heffler, you know, it, like these guys are. I don't know him well enough, but th- those are the intriguing guys to me. That you know, Whitehead's always going to be. If you're, if you're, he's why well, I got, had to go watch his high school highlights today, <laughs> you know, because and then I'm watching that Duke, you know, he, he wasn't the same explosive guy, and yet he could. I'm telling you, there aren't that many. He's like 19 or something, right? He's like, not he like, sh- come yeah. on, he can and shoot the basketball, Derek Whitehead. He can shoot like how many guys, you know, like they always come into the league, like. Boy, he's got it all, but you know, in, in three years he'll be a good shooter if they work with him. He shoots it well now, and a lot number of his stuff, even last year, was those NBA shots you got to take. You know, like you got to step back. You know, you step back to get the shot off. You know, maybe on a catch and shoot he'll be solid, but he can create separation and shoot the ball. You know, again, it's not fair, and you can't rush a guy like that. You know, but. um and everybody's always good when they're not playing. You ever notice? Like guys, yeah. <laughs> guys are great. It's like backup quarterbacks. You know, he's 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 phenomenal now because we haven't we haven't seen him. You know, I always I always said that if guys in their college career had scored twenty in their first game, and then they got injured, they'd be like legends. You know, everybody talk about how great they were forever. So, uh, but you gotta be careful with that. But I I I I I just believe in what the Nets do. You know, I believe in them, and I believe in them at this stage. And uh, I know you guys are, are, you know, like you cover them tight and you enjoy them and you're positive about them. And it's, I, I think you have every right to be right now, you know? 
and, and within reason, right? Because it was—I right. didn't say they're. I didn't say they're. Oh, they definitely make the playoffs. I don't know. Right? That would be a great goal to play well enough to be in the mix to be there. A play a playoff team uh, at the end of the playoff playing in playoffs. That, that's a heck of a job for a year like this. And then, yeah. but then you got X Factor. You got, you know, maybe. Maybe Ben Simmons is bad. I don't know. You know, uh, we got he's got to show everybody though, and himself. He's got to show himself. Probably most importantly. Yeah, I, I think you you named a lot of good names there in terms of, of breakout candidates. And I look at a guy like Bruce Brown from a, a few years ago, right? Nets took a flyer on him. It was a nothing contract at the time, and Bruce came in and he was extremely essential to the Nets' success. Uh, he really shined, and then you saw him win a championship in Denver. So right. what does that say about, you know, the Nets development coaches like you were talking about with, with some of these guys? There's a lot. Obviously, no one knows if they're going to make the playoffs. I kind of have them in that in that six seed to 10 seed range. I really don't know where they're going to be closer yeah, to. Yeah, I don't know. I, but, I don't think it's, it's fair yeah. to think that, you know, I don't think. I don't know. I think as the season goes on, you, you evaluate that. And I don't know if it's fair to talk about like it like that, but I, I think there'll be. I, I think that I think you'll like watching them. If you could, I think they're. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest key you want to hear. You know, you're gonna like what you. There's gonna be a lot to like. I think comparing them to those, those teams, those you know, uh, D'Lo and those guys and Rondé and uh, how about him playing for Jordan? How about that? Yeah. But, but um, you know, maybe it'll be. Maybe it can be like that. But if it's not. I just think the foundation's being set right now. So you got to be careful. You know, like there's a foundation going on. And if, if you can be, have a foundation of, of Mikel Bridges is your, is your foundation with Cam Johnson and Dorian Finn and these people that everybody talks to, that's how you want your, your foundation to be, be like that with incredibly good players, talented and high character. And I think that's what the Nets have right now. And you know we're not right. talking about. You know, Dinwiddie's a good player. He's he a is. good player. That's you know? that's Pete's guy. Pete's favorite player is Dinwiddie. Yeah, Dinwiddie. I mean, I think, and he's a smart guy, so he'll know what he has to do better. You know what I mean? Like he's a very intelligent guy, and he'll say, "Well, uh, you know, with this Nets team, I, I I gotta I gotta be more of this guy, or I gotta be more of that guy." He he'll evaluate where he's got to where he's got to make a difference. Uh, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. We didn't talk about him. He's a, you know, he's an athletic and again, defensively, that's where he's, he's really strong. Well, but you know, he doesn't shoot it well enough, but he can be impactful. You know, at times he played a lot of minutes last year. I was surprised when I looked at his stats, you know, he's, he made, had a good comeback year. So, I mean, I'm like you guys, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited but I'm, I'm, you know, I've tempered my enthusiasm. It's a different type of excitement. It's not a, oh, we could go all the way excitement. It's a, this is going to be interesting to watch. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to follow this group and watch the evolution of a team and an organization and individual players. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think that's where we're at too. And, and, and Tim Capstraw, we thank you so much for your time today. We have one more segment, three hard hitting questions, getting to know the capper, Tim Capistraw, the man behind the microphone. So my first question. Yeah. When, when did people start calling you capper and how did you get that nickname? I think just after college, I, I think one of my great friends, Frank Dyer, called me capper and, uh, 
it, it, it kind of stuck. I don't remember it as much during college. Ah, maybe during college, but that was it's it's been it's been good because as I've gotten older, I've liked it. You know, I've really because it, it's kind of like a young and it feels kind of cool and all that. So I, I go with that one, especially walking around the the the, the Barclays Center and people yell if they yell to me, it's 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 it feels great. It's great. Um, and uh, you know, it's easy. You know, my my last name is strange. You know, like it's like canadian and i don't know what the heck it is so and uh it's 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 fine and and it's a lot better than timmy you know when you <laughs> timmy timmy peaks at age eight you know what i mean like that I, I, you know i grew out of that at age eight so capper is, is is really good i love it all right and this is a follow-up what's the question number two i'm a hooper i love to play i know you were a hooper back in the day and i'm sure you still hoop what kind of player was Tim Capistraw in his in his prime? What were your strengths on the court? No, nah, shooting, clearly shooting. And I and I don't. I was shocked that I, I have summer camp all summer, you know. And I finally have hit the wall where I don't have deep range, you know. Like I just I can't. I was embarrassed. I, like I I'll shoot free throws and just crush people, you know. But I can <laughs> I can really I can shoot and I can teach shooting uh, well. I think and. Um, you know, I have a daughter that goes to Yale and she's going to be a sophomore player at Yale. So she, oh, I'm nice. proud of her. And I spent a lot of time uh, working with her and shooting with her and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. All right. I'm going to take the last question. Do you think the Nets are going to have a championship in the next five to seven years? What's your prediction? No, I, I think they'll be in the mix to be a championship contender within three to four years, three years. I'll take I think it. You'll be talking about, they could be one of the teams. That's all you can. Lots of times. That's almost all the time. Now that's all you can say. You know, what are you going to say about this year? You say, well, Denver is going to be there. Uh, is Milwaukee going to be back? They're going to be one of them is, uh, I don't, I, you know, you usually get about three or four or five teams. You say really got a chance. Maybe last year was different. Last year, it seemed like there was about eight or nine. But I think in the next few years, you'd be saying that uh, about the Nets. Give them, a, give them a, a couple, two, three years uh, to keep building and, and developing and attracting people and, um, I, and drafting. They are wonderful. They got it. They, they get it. They know how to do it. And um, I'm looking forward to watching, watching the innocent climb again. That's what, that's what, this, this, is what this, this team is going to be. Quick, quick bonus question before we end the show. Uh, it's not really a question, but before we were recording, uh, you had brought up the Fireside Nets video of of me with my jumper, and I just wanted you to share with the audience what you saw there and, and, and just I was, break that down. First of all, athletic. You know, you got a little, you got a little dance to you. You're dancing with the ball. You get you get a good athletic stance behind your back, and then you go into a, a shot. Slight fade away, by the way. Slight fade. You hold. You admire. You don't hold your follow through. You admire your follow through, and you drilled it. It was like you had rhythm in your moves. You had a quickness of the pickup behind your. It went behind your back, right? You know what I'm talking about. I know. And, yep, uh, you went right up into clip. the shot. I was impressed. You, you had, I appreciate you had, you had that. A good feel. I I I, I, I can't. I, I you know I I didn't see it coming, Spence. I can't lie to you. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> 
I'll tell you this, that, that means the world to me, uh, Mr. Capstraw. And and coming from you, that's huge. And the only other person that their their word meant a lot. And they, they so th- I post a lot of TikTok basketball videos. And this one person wrote, I see you on the video. And that person was none other than Richard Jefferson. Ah, he's the best. He's the best. Love him. And, you Love know, him. like think about our broadcasting crew of everybody we have, right? Spoiled, right? We're spoiled. They're all... In the- if, if you're the best in the country at what you do and the Nets have you, that's pretty good. And, that's, and, that's pretty and again, and I don't know if you've ever heard Chris Carino do NFL football. He does it on Sundays all around. The, oh, my. Isn't it? Or you ever see him do baseball? He's, Ian, how about it? Did you guys see Noah Eagle? Ian's son do the He's Notre awesome. Game? He's great. Yeah. Was that unbelievable? He, he's so smooth, so talented. And he'd be doing the games, NBC, Big Ten. Each game, he's like 25 years old. He's the most poised, cool kid. He's, and, you know, like, just like his father, one of the nicest people ever, you know. So we're, we're very lucky to have these people, Sarah Kustak. And, and, and you're being super humble because you are part of that no, incredible broadcasting no, unit. I, so, I, I, so, you know, it's. I was trying. I tell you what, I was setting you up. For the last five minutes for that comment. I can't believe how long it took. Holy crap. What's oh, a guy got to do to get a comment? Oh, that's, that's a great way to close out the show. <laughs> Tim Capstraw, the capper, we thank you so much for joining Fireside Nets. You can listen to Chris Carino and Tim Capstraw calling Brooklyn Nets games on WFAN. Um, we'd love to have you back on in the future, and, and thanks a ton for joining. Yeah, a lot thank of you. fun, guys. This is really, really enjoyable. Have a great night.